0: Hey guys, today we are hearing from Clara Aranda of the GSMA. That's the organisation that handles the global system of mobile communications around the world. And she's talking about understanding the mobile phone as an assistive technology for people with disabilities.
1: My name is Clara Aranda. I work for the GSMA as an insights manager. Um, So today I'm going to talk to you about some of the work that we have been doing recently in terms of what we call the mobile disability gap in emerging markets. I'm going to be talking about two specific countries, Kenya and Bangladesh. Perhaps you are asking what is the GSMA? We get asked that question very frequently. Um, The GSMA, if you look at your phones, you have probably a 4G maybe 3G, maybe 2G, sometimes it says GSM. So the GSMA is a a trade association that represents mobile network operators. We have around 800 members globally. Um, And one of our main activities is to organize industry-led events. So you may have heard about the World Mobile Congress, for instance, so these large events related to mobile are organized by the GSMA. Um, but we also lead the industry towards uh, collective action for, benef- for, for, for the social good, for social benefits. So, for instance, we led the industry towards committing to the sustainable development goals. As part, as part of our program, we have a, a program called Mobile for Development. Mobile for Development is funded by the Department for International Development, UK8. And we have different thematic areas. Our main goal is to work to reducing inequalities in the world by using the power of mobile. One of our thematic areas, is assistive tech. In assistive tech, our mission is to drive greater awareness of persons with disabilities by maximizing the potential of mobile phones as digital assistive tools. We do this by generating insights, but also gathering stories from users, speaking to our customers, or users of mobile phones, um, engaging with the mobile sector, also DPOs, academic institutions. Um, We also advocate for the digital inclusion of persons with disabilities. And starting from this year, we will be supporting startups um, that are innovating in this space. So um, we've been really busy during the past year doing research in Kenya and Bangladesh to try to understand what we call the mobile disability gap. Um, I will present now some little parts of the research that we've done, the findings that we have, but our publication is coming soon. It will be published, the full report will be published on December the 3rd. So I know many of you will be very busy during that day, but I'll invite you to go to our website and look at our report, where you will be able to see the full research that we conducted in Kenya and Bangladesh. So we've heard that in the, during the past sessions, Um, There are around one billion people in the world that have some form of disability. The majority of persons with disabilities in many many parts of the world, um, they live in situations in which they are marginalized by society. They don't have access to equal opportunities to non-disabled individuals. For example, in developing countries, 90% of children do not attend school. It is also estimated that 80% of adults with disabilities are unemployed. But the barriers of disabilities are usually socially, environmental, political creations. And these barriers are what leads to the exclusion of persons with disabilities. But assistive technologies could help break some of these barriers. However, access to assistive technologies is very limited in many parts of the world. Around 1 in 10% of individuals that need assistive technologies have access to them. So we believe that in these places where assistive technologies are very limited, mobile phones could play a role as cost-effective and bespoke tools for persons with disabilities. This is because mobile phones have a versatile nature and they cluster different assistive technologies in one single device. But the nexus between mobile and disability is not fully explored when we think about developing country context. So during this year, we conducted research to try to understand the characteristics of access, ownership and use of mobile phones and mobile services by persons with disabilities. Um, we also try to understand the role that mobile plays as, a, as an enabler of participation. This research was funded by the, the AT2030 program, which is uh, it's, it's funded by the Department for International Development and led by the Global Disability Innovation Hub. So we did this work in collaborations with the GD, in collaboration with the GDI Hub. Um, for our research, we conducted over a thousand interv- over a thousand surveys in both countries. We also conducted 40 qualitative interviews in in each country, and we conducted eight photo voice studies in in each country. So now I'm going to present the findings from our research. Um, When we started this research, we thought, initially, that uh, we were going to find that persons with disabilities were not going to own mobile phones, or, or the ownership was going to be very low. But to our surprise, we found that access to mobile phones by persons with disabilities in these two countries is really high. This is whether they own the mobile phone or they borrow it from someone else, but access is high. However, persons with disabilities are more than 10% less likely to own a mobile phone than non-disabled persons in the country, in in, in each country. Um, And the majority of them own a basic or a feature phone So less than 30% of persons with disabilities own a smartphone. And this is something really important to highlight because smartphones are the devices with the greatest capabilities to work as assistive technologies. When we look at the specific details around ownership and access to mobile phones, we found that a couple of factors were key in in regards to to the levels of ownership. The first one was the level of education. So individuals with no education or with lower levels of education are less likely to own a mobile phone. But also, individuals with multiple disabilities are less likely to own a mobile phones. Individuals with multiple dis- disabilities are amongst the group that is most marginalized within the segment of, of different types of, of, different groups of disabilities. And this is because access to education is quite challenging for them in this context. And this relates to the previous, to the previous uh, reason. The levels of education are usually related, or lower levels of education often results in more limited opportunities for employment which means that uh, individuals have a lower purchasing power. So being able to buy a mobile phone becomes really challenging. But also with lower levels of education comes lower digital literacy levels. So using a mobile phone is actually challenging. So I said that 30, around 30% of persons with disabilities own a mobile phone. So who are they? So we found that um, in both countries, around 50% of individuals with hearing impairment own a smartphone. But when we look at other groups of disabilities, we see massive differences. We see that around 15% of individuals with visual impairment own a smartphone. Um, this is for a few Reasons, but one of them is that in these countries where, like I said, digital literacy skills are, are limited for some individuals, the use of, of a mobile phone with a keyboard becomes easier for them. I also said that there is a high level of ownership and access to mobile phones, but something that I want to highlight is that the majority of persons with disabilities in, this, in these countries receive the phone as a gift. And when they buy it, they buy a secondhand, a second-hand phone. And also, those who don't own a mobile phone often borrow a mobile phone from a relative, a family member, and in a few cases, they may pay someone to access this mobile phone. This means that the people that don't own a mobile phone tend to have a really restricted, restrictive access to uh, mobile, mobile services. So, While we identified a mobile disability gap, something that is really interesting is that when we looked at how persons with disabilities and non-disabled persons use mobile services, we really don't see big differences. And in fact, we see something that we call the power users. The power users are groups of individuals that use mobile phones more than non-disabled persons. In Bangladesh, we found that persons with disabilities are power users of mobile money services. 25% of persons with disabilities own a mobile money registered account compared to 14% of non-disabled persons. In Kenya, Holly, next. Great, oh no, there. In Kenya, 69% of individuals with visual impairment that own, uh, uh, 69% of visually impaired smartphone uh, owners use mobile internet uh, daily compared to 50, 56% of non-disabled owners. So we need to think about how we're designing mobile services when we when we uh, think about inclusion. Do you want to ask a question? Yeah. Um, when we look at the, um, the customer journey path um, going from access to ownership to use of mobile services, we identify different barriers that persons with disabilities reported when they use, when, when they use mobile services. The first one is that they, of, they often said that because of their disability they don't own a mobile phone or they use mobile services to a limited degree. And I want you to keep this in mind because I'm going to come back to this, to this point. Affordability is a challenge. The majority of uh, phones that have the, the best accessibility features are um, expensive for them. They are unaffordable to them and they have a restrictive cost so they cannot buy them. And digital literacy, it's also a challenge. They report that they don't own a smartphone or they don't own a mobile phone because um, they don't know how to use it. Or they don't use certain services because they they just don't know how to use them. Now, these three characteristics are perhaps a little bit common for other digital tools, and we can even think, you know, from a technical perspective, a technology perspective, we can think of solutions. We would think about accessibility. We would think about uh, low-cost devices. We will think about ease of use or intuitive designs. But we found two elements, two barriers, that are actually very particular to mobile technologies. The first one is that persons with disabilities in these, in these countries consider that mobile phones are communication tools. They value them as communication tools. But they or their caregivers or the lenders of the phones don't perceive them as assistive technologies. They don't see them as a bridge to increase their participation in society. And the second is that there are a few mobile services that require that the user inputs a PIN code or a password. And persons with disabilities are concerned about safe and confidential use because sometimes the services are not designed for inclusion and they need to ask for someone for help to make certain transactions. And I'm going to give you an example in a a few slides. So you may be asking, well, but there are accessibility features, right? I told you that they, they report that disability is a reason why they don't own a phone or why they have a limited access to, to a limited use of services. So yeah, there are accessibility features, but in our research, we found that only around 10% of mobile phone users use accessibility features. And this is something really critical. When we look at smartphone users, we see that this number increases a little bit in Kenya to 22% and in Bangladesh is 14%. So a maximum of 22% of individuals that have access to accessibility features use them. So why is that? The first reason is lack of awareness. They simply don't know that accessibility features exist. The second is, again, digital literacy. They don't know how to use accessibility features. And the the third one is affordability. Many of these individuals own smartphones that are cheap and that don't have the full suit of accessibility features. So if they want to improve certain accessibility features, they may need to pay for add-on apps to improve the, the, the quality of the, of the functions. For us, these apps may be cheap, but for many of them, they are not cheap and they are restrictive. So I presented some of the research that we found from the surveys and the interviews, but like I said, we spoke with individuals. And in the stories that were shared with us, we found that mobile phone is helping persons with disabilities to break barriers, to um, increase independence, and to access opportunities that they didn't have access to before. So for us, it is in these stories in which we're able to gather the life-changing potential. We discovered the life-changing potential of mobile phones in the lives of persons with disabilities. And just to give you an example, I'm going to read a quote from one of our participants. He is a male, he's 25 year old with visual impairments, and he's from Kenya. And he told us, for many of you, mobile is just like any other device, but for me, it is a companion in my life. And this, for us, is one of the reasons why, as the GSMA, as assistive tech, we are motivated to do more work in this area so that we can close the digital inclusion gap. We found that mobile enables access to financial services. We found that it enables access to healthcare and access to education. We spoke to individuals with short stature that told us that when they go to banks, they cannot reach a counter or they cannot get money from ATMs. We spoke with wheelchair users who told us that they cannot access banks because in these countries, infrastructure is not necessarily accessible. But for them, mobile money services are giving them a convenient way to access financial services. Just to give you a short example, there is an operator in, in Kenya called Safaricom. It's the largest operator in Kenya. And in 2017, they decided to audit their services to see how accessible they were. And they saw that individuals with visual impairment were the most, uh, the most disadvantaged users of their services. Um, and they looked specifically at their mobile money service called M-Pesa. When they spoke with um, users with visual impairment, they realized that they were actually, very often, they were victims of theft and fraud. Because every time somebody made a transaction, they would receive a text message with a new balance. So this means that if you had a a, a visual impairment, you would go with the agent. You would give him the money or give her the money. you would make the transaction and only until you found someone that you trust you would show them the balance and then you would realize that the full money wasn't deposited so to avoid that they would ask for someone that they trust to do the transactions for them and they would give them money so there was a hidden cost that they were incurring to be able to access these services So, Safaricom decided to introduce Interactive Voice Response, which is a technology widely available for mobile operators. It took them around three months to make the the integration of of, of these two technologies. And what Safaricom Safaricom reported to us is that fraud has been reduced by more than 90%, and they have an increasing number of of, of users of this service. Um, When we asked them, and how do you know that these customers have have visual impairment and they said well we think that they are because when you uh, when you're a sighted user the using IVR can be a little bit cumbersome so they are almost certain that it has gone through word of mouth that people are trusting more the service they are using it more and they are telling others to use this service our findings on the mobile disability gap are in line with findings from the UN related to digital inclusion. A report recently uh, published by the UN says that persons with disabilities have limited access to information and communication technologies, but also have limited use of internet when you compare to non-disabled persons. So it is clear that a digital inclusion gap exists, and we need to work, we need to do work around that. Just to conclude, I'm going to highlight a few points. The first one is that digital accessibility solutions exist, but they are not necessarily suitable for every context. One of our participants in Bangladesh, he was in the, in the picture, he's using his, smart, his, uh, his phone, and he was telling us that Bengali speakers, when they try to use speech recognition technologies, when they try to use VoiceOver or talk back, they struggle a lot because the software doesn't recognize what they are saying. So we are creating certain barriers for them that shouldn't exist. And also, I mentioned that awareness and digital skills are critical. In the picture, I'm showing one of our interviews in Kenya, who's visually impaired, she's holding her smartphone, and she's using a magnifying glass. She uses the magnifying glass to read the text on her phone because she's not aware that the phone has a magnifying text function. So if we want to close, if we want to narrow the digital inclusion gap, we need to work in awareness and we need to increase the digital skills of persons with disabilities in these countries. To finish, I'm just going to summarize some of the few points that I've highlighted in this talk. The first one is that persons with disabilities value mobile phones as communication tools but there is a barrier and a mobile disability gap still exists. Persons with disabilities are still less likely to own a mobile technology. In these markets, the needs of persons with disabilities are not fully satisfied across the different stages of of the customer journey. And although digital solutions exist that could help address some of the barriers, they are not necessarily suitable for them. They are not necessarily suitable for persons with disabilities in, in developing countries. So I have in front of me many tech developers. You're probably at the top end of the development of some of these solutions. And what I want to ask you is that when you design these solutions, try to think about them so that they are designed for everyone. But more importantly, once you design them, try to think about ways in which you can make sure that your customers, your users, will know about them and will know how to use them. Because otherwise, we will create unintentional barriers. So that's all from me, and I'm happy to take questions. Thank you, um... <laughs>
0: I've got a couple of questions. The most obvious one at the beginning is, you know, what does this teach us that may be useful in other countries? And, and is GSMA using it to, to, to think about other countries outside the two that you've referred to?
1: Yeah. So um, at the moment, we did this research only in two, country, uh, only in two countries, but next year we're going to do more, more countries. Um, we, do, we, we try to cover different regions. So our main uh, countries so, uh, regions of focus are Africa and South, Southeast Asia. That's because of, of the funding that we received. But we want to expand to other countries, and we want to see whether these um, findings are applicable to other regions, or whether we find some surprising things. Um, when you think about um, more developed economies, I want to bring to you the concept of like frugal innovation. So there are some benefits that you get when you design for... Um, certain contexts with restricted resources, for instance, that when you bring them back to uh, more developed economies, there might actually bring other benefits that you didn't, you didn't see before. So what I'm hoping for you to get from these lessons is like I said at the end, think about your customers always. Think about your users and think about the differences in context in which your customers may be residing.
0: Cool, thank you. And do you have any good examples of any awareness or education campaigns that you came across, to, particularly the ones we were talking about a moment ago, um, where people are helping people find the accessibility features of, by some means through customer support or other, other processes? If the gap is they didn't know they were there, is there anybody actually doing any work yeah. to fill that gap?
1: So um, we know, for instance, that GARI, the GARI is the uh, Global Accessibility Reporting Initiative. It's a it's a database that has been created for assessing accessibility for many different devices. Um, it includes mobile phones, tablets, um, and also smart TVs. And some, for instance, some mobile operators have adopted uh, GARI as their in their platforms, so that customers can be aware of certain accessibility features that mobile phones may have. But something that we still need to address is mobile operators are putting this, this information there, but we are not sure how much users are actually interacting with that information. We're not sure about you know, whether users understand that information, and it's something that we want to explore further.
0: And you were talking about potentially working with um, customer services people who are working directly with, with customers, yeah. is, that, is that an idea to come or is that stuff happening yeah. already? Yeah, so
1: we, as part of our plan, so um, as, as you can see from the talk, digital skills, digital literacy is quite critical. So for us, making sure that persons with disabilities are aware and know about, know how to use accessibility features is critical. So as a GSMA, one of our, our plans for the coming month before next year. Um, It's to develop a toolkit so that we support agents, mobile operator, or we support operators so that they train agents to be able to support customers with disabilities so that they are aware about these features. But it's something that we're working on. Um, We are not aware at the moment of anyone else doing this.
0: I mean, I think think there are people doing that, but not in the telecom sector that we know about, but certainly in banking, I know there are people doing that.
1: So I would be uh, very happy if you come and talk to me. If you know other initiatives, I would be very happy to hear about them um, so that we can learn and we can share some learnings.
0: Great, thank you. And can you just remind everybody when the report's going to be available?
1: December the 3rd. Great. So you have a lot of information there. You will be able to access all our methodology and all our findings in detail. Um, And please contact us if you have any questions. Um, We would be very happy to speak to you.